Welcome to Lessons in Life and Love with Rihanna Milne, where we show you how to have the positive mindset for success in all life areas. It's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Show 44 of Lessons in Life and Love podcast. I am your host and global life and love coach, Rihanna Milne, coming to you every Friday on my website, LessonsInLifeAndLove.com, and on my app, Lessons in Life and Love, on the go. I'm all about helping you transform your life in all areas to one that you're really passionate about and to help you have the love that you deserve. I'm on a mission to help change the way the world loves. So I'll be teaching you all about how to have emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious love relationships and to avoid toxic, painful, frustrating relationships, those that seem too prevalent today. It's time to create the life that you desire and have the love that you deserve. So if you have a personal concern, be sure to reach out to me this week on my website, rihannamilne.com, and sign up to meet with me for a Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session, one full hour of tons of information that's sure to change your life. So let's dive in, love angels and transformers. Today, our feature guest is the addiction specialist to the stars, Dr. Robin Barnett. She's going to cover with me what's the most harmful addiction and the go-to drug for younger people today, what is the most common addiction problem for those over 50, and how can a spouse help their partner overcome addiction, and lots more. Welcome to our show, Dr. Robin Barnett and my very good friend. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Good to have you here. Okay, let me give you the bio of this fantastic woman in front of me. Dr. Robin is a licensed clinical social worker, a licensed drug and alcohol counselor, a certified sex addiction therapist, certified in clinical hypnosis, and a certified clinical supervisor. She's been featured on the Mike and Juliet show on Fox TV, gone too far on MTV with the late DJ AM, filmed for 2020, and News World Tonight with Diane Sawyer and ABC, the True Life series. Dr. Robin's most recent work has been the addictions expert on the Steve Wilco show on NBC Universal in syndication. Her book, The Attic in the House, is a no-nonsense family guide through addiction and recovery and was published by New Harpinger Publishing. Currently, Robin consults with rehab facilities to guide their clinical programs and treats those with substance use disorders mental health issues, and their families. Dr. Robin is known as the addiction expert to the stars and works with several of Hollywood's biggest names. So it's really a pleasure having you here with us, Rob. And she is also my best buddy, too. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm very blessed with that. Which makes it nice. There's so much for her to share with you today. So Robin, can you just share with our listeners a little bit about how you got started in the addictions field? Absolutely. When I started out, I was a psychotherapist in private practice. And my brother had an addiction problem. Um, he was a chronic alcoholic. And uh, through various treatment facilities, I realized that the treatment was really very subpar in a lot of these places. Mm -hmm. And they were never really addressing the issues that led to his addiction. Uh, so uh, I changed my field from mental health to addictions. And uh, in an effort to really help my own family and help my brother. That's great. And I know your, your results are amazing at your facilities that you've had. 
What is your philosophy on healing and breaking an addiction? Well, how is your philosophy and teachings different from others? History. What I've learned through both the education, professional experience, and my personal um, life with my family was that addiction in many cases is a symptom of the problem. It becomes the primary mm -hmm. problem, but it's a symptom of a much larger issue that's being basically anesthetized by the drugs of choice. Whatever, whatever ails you is what you're using. So in order to really heal an addiction and get somebody into a solid recovery, you have to address those underlying issues or you're just going to continue to repeat the same problem over and over. That is so true. And as you know, I work with people that have had childhood trauma. Right. And it's the same thing when they're going out over and over for a relationship until they heal the unconscious behavior patterns that are coming up from their childhood trauma. They repeat the same mistakes. Right. When I, as a LCADC, Licensed Certified Alcohol and Drug Addictions Counselor, also worked in the rehabs, I was adamant about me doing some coaching about getting beyond the childhood traumas and teaching them life skills. Absolutely. Many centers don't do. Right. <laughs> you right. know, they just talk about using drugs. They already know how to do that. You know, let's talk about how to heal. Where is the problem coming from? And once they get out of the center, their survival skills that they need to get that job and, and to get back on their feet and make the income, reconnect with their partner and their children. Really essential things that I think a lot of the centers are missing. They, they are definitely missing that, but they also, one of the problems most rehabs is that they give so little individual counseling. I agree. The yeah. group counseling, yes. Fabulous to understand the concepts, fabulous to understand what you need to do to stay clean and sober. The problem is that the festering problem underneath, if that is not being addressed right from the get-go, those skills are not going to be able to, so, you know, the individual counseling, the coaching, all of those types of things are what are going to really fix the problem. Yeah, I totally agree. I was called by a mom from one of my clients. She says he's been in seven rehabs, in jail twice. His son won't talk to him. You're my last hope. Yep. And we worked together. He went to cooking school in his young 20s, and this man is 45 and couldn't get his life together. After the six-month coaching program, he was back on his feet, had a cooking job right on the avenue in Delray Beach, reconnected with his son, his self-esteem soared. He was able to get his driver's license back and live out on his own instead of a sober home, a group home right. with other people. And it's amazing how the individual attention and really diving deep into the initial core issues mm -hmm. is everything. Well, I mean, there, anybody who works with you is tremendously fortunate. Oh, thank you. you. Well, I mean, it's true. You have the counseling background. You have the drug and alcohol background. And now, and now you're a life coach. So whoever would work with you benefits from all of those backgrounds of, of training and expertise. And now in a whole different realm of the coaching, which is much more life skills and applying all of these things. And, and that is really key for long-term recovery. Yeah, you've shot up to the stars because of your successful results. So tell the listeners now, what type of clients do you work with? What age, male, female, straight LGBT? Because we have all those listeners on this podcast. And do you see them personally or virtually? I, I deal with all ages, from adolescence up to senior years. They could be a relative of an addicted person. They could have a mental health issue. 
Mm. Uh, you know, I, I cover the whole gamut of that. Prime of our young adults into probably um, 30s to 40s tend to be the, the bulk of the population that I treat. But then, you know, we're dealing with an opioid crisis. So that's the population that this tends to affect the most. I see people virtually. So that opens up the board to being able to see people pretty much anywhere. Yes. Um, and if they happen to be in either New Jersey, tri-state area, or in Florida, I can see them in person as well. But majority is, is virtually because it just, the ease of it for both the client's geography makes the services accessible. And that's one of the problems. I mean, you could be on a waiting list for a therapist for a very long time, and then you have to actually get there, and then you have to f- figure out all those logistics. Virtual has worked out beautifully. Yes, it does. That's why I went to that model a couple of years ago myself, and I love it. Robin, what, in your opinion, is the most common drug out there today, the go-to drug for the younger population? What are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing the, with the resurgence of heroin over the last 10 years, that's starting to die out a little bit. But what we're seeing is another drug called fentanyl. Mm. Uh, fentanyl is a tremendously strong animal tranquilizer um, that people are now using to achieve a higher high than they can get with their tolerance to heroin. Uh. And unfortunately, a tiny grain of this drug can cause you to overdose. So majority of the overdoses that we're actually seeing are not heroin anymore. They're fentanyl overdoses. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is meth or cocaine active out there as much as it was, or is it kind of dying down? It's a geographic thing. Mm. Uh, Methamphetamine uh, is much more popular in the middle of the country. They're starting to see, it pops up here and there, the the drug of choice in the Northeast or, or the Eastern Seaboard yet. Right now, that's really a, a large population in the middle of the country. Cocaine, cocaine is always there. It's one of those drugs that's in the background, but it doesn't seem like it is at the level it was at in the, in the 80s where coke, cocaine was, yeah. was the drug. Um, you know, the heroin has really, um, and the fentanyl have taken over for that. And with legalization of pot, there's got to be a lot more recreational use because it's much easier to get. Absolutely. The, the marijuana legalization throughout the country has um, caused an entire population of people that were underground smoking illegally to, to start to use it recreationally without fear of consequence. Um, yeah. That in itself, it has its pluses and minuses. There are some medicinal qualities yes. that are much less invasive than taking an opiate or taking a tranquilizer. Um, it's definitely helpful for many conditions, and they're starting to really understand what the medicinal uses are. However, the recreational use has, has skyrocketed. You know, it, it's, the jury is still out if this is going to be something that is beneficial to the population to deter from other drugs or if it's going to be detrimental with a whole new wave of people that have um, marijuana problems. Okay. And what are you seeing for the population over 50, the seniors, the baby boomers? Where are their addictions lying? The baby boomers, alcohol is number one. That's Um, what I thought too. Yeah. yeah, Alcohol is number one. Uh, As people are going into their fifties, if they have not received treatment for, for their alcoholism yet, you're really seeing the dysfunctions in the physical 
and result of long-term alcohol use coming to the forefront. So you really see that start to come out in the 50s by that point. If they've had relationships, the relationships are failing. Maybe mm-hmm. they're on multiple relationships or marriages at this point, always with that same treadmill of, of alcohol use being at the core of the breakdown. Yeah. Mama says saying a resurgence of sex addiction, porn use, sleeping around to medicate for loneliness and depression. The hope that I call it hookup culture. If we hook up, that man will fall in love with me or that woman will want to be my girlfriend. And there's just so much over-focus on sex, sexual performance, with the male enhancement pills. I mean, it's getting really crazy. And what I heard lately in my HIV education is that the senior population is the fastest growing for HIV right now. Yeah. Uh, because they don't think they need safe sex. So let that be a warning to you any, any age. <laughs> you know. Sex addiction has always been addiction's um, ugly stepsister. You know, it's always been there. You know, and as, as the internet has become what it is today where everything is governed by the internet the access to porn the access to fetishes the access to all of the the sexual addiction uh avenues is so readily accessible at any given point but very much like other types of substance use disorders addiction is based in trauma mm-hmm. you know sex addiction is based in childhood issues absolutely it is from um, childhood trauma it, It's a faulty system of how somebody's sexuality develops Mm -hmm. and the sex becomes their drug of choice. So there again, with sex addiction, in order to be able to get beyond that, rest those childhood issues. We have the childhood trauma checklist with 10 points and trauma number seven is about being bullied or not feeling good enough. So a lot of people use sex to feel pretty or beautiful or good enough or sexy enough. Or if they had verbal abuse and they were put down by their dad saying things like, you'll amount to nothing, you'll be no good. That feeling of not being good enough can harbor a sexual addiction where their malprowess is trying to prove how good they are. Um, So there's a lot of different ways this can emerge from the original childhood traumas that somebody deals with. And our research shows that's about 90% of all adults. So we have to get to the bottom of it and and why it's become such an obsession for somebody today. As a relationship coach, I've always told my clients the addiction comes first. You can't love someone enough to make them stop drinking, drugging, their porn use. What is your opinion on that? And what's the best strategy for a partner to help the one that they love to stop whatever addiction they're engaging in? Yeah, this is the million dollar question, right? <laughs> it really is. Uh, yeah. And you know, it, it varies from situation to situation. However, there tends to be some, some things that are pretty generic across the board. Yes, you cannot, you cannot take over this person's world, relieve them of all their responsibilities because they're, they're using their drugs mm-hmm. and hope that they snap out of it and have no consequences. And that is the, the number one problem within a family is because, you know, we think that we can love them out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, once somebody becomes addicted, and I don't care what the addiction is, there is a change in the brain. Their functioning is drug or alcohol first, every other wayside. Um, so love is no longer a consequence to them. Mm-hmm. And they tend to allow the people around them to pick up for their shortcomings while they're doing what they need to do. And it just makes their life very easy. 
It, yeah. They continue doing their, their maladaptive behaviors and life will still continue. Um, number one problem, you know, so for families that are out there that, that need to address what's going on, do not put it in the dark. Do yeah. not be afraid of consequences. Do not be afraid that, oh, it's going to bite them and it's going to affect my life. You need to be realistic. It mm -hmm. is affecting your life. Yeah, it already is. This is just the beginning. Yeah. There is a downward progressive spiral that when there's an addictive situation, I guarantee there's chaos. Yes. It could be mental chaos. It could be physical chaos. It could be family chaos. There is chaos that surrounds addiction and it will continue to get worse and worse with compounding consequences until you stop being afraid to address it. Yeah, this is what we call codependent relationships. Absolutely. When you're trying to save your partner, and it's a difficult choice because, of course, you love them and you want them to heal. But all the research and the studies show that that type of response is not what's going to help someone. And that's a sad thing. So you have to get them to a really good addiction specialist and expert to get to the bottom of the root of the issues and works with them individually first, then with a couple or the family. That's so important. You know, the one thing that codependence and enabling are kind of like dirty words in the addictions field. And you know this, because this is their problem, it's not my problem. And when you use those terms, they tend to get very defensive. Mm. You know, uh, that they need to do something about it. I'm not doing anything. I'm the victim here. Which, on some aspects, happens to be very true. But there is such power within a family. There's such power and such consequences that are possible that their love is being used against them. Mm -hmm. It's They're a manipulation. Going, Absolutely. Love, yeah. is, love is the most powerful thing of all. You know that. That's what you teach your people. They're, love is the most powerful emotion that we have. Mm -hmm. So if it's being used against you, you need to understand this addiction enough that you can then take that love and use it to your benefit to be able to help your loved one. Yeah, often the addicted will play on your emotions, your heartstrings, mm -hmm. and make you feel guilty if you're not helping them. That form of manipulation, again, is learned in childhood. Yeah, and just for the listeners, I usually name about 11 addictions. Tell me if I'm missing anything, because so many people think addictions equals drugs and alcohol, but there's so many more. So there's drugs, alcohol, sex, which means chronic cheating or any kind of sex addiction, porn, gambling, eating hoarding, spending, gaming, TV watching, workaholism. What else did I miss? You nailed it. Did I nail it? Okay. You nailed it. You nailed it. But you know what? Any, any behavior can become an addictive pattern. Yes. It uh, doesn't necessarily make it an addiction, but an addictive like pattern where somebody is not able to stop an impulse. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, it's an impulse control problem, not an addiction. But... Anything that becomes dysfunctional, that's going to disrupt your life, that's going to hurt you, hurt your finances, hurt your family, is, is something that needs to be addressed. And it can be looked at as an addictive behavior. Yes. One of the newest addictions is gaming. And I remember I had a young man in New Jersey. He was 14. And I said to his mother, he is addicted. Oh, no, he, it's just his games. He just wants to play his games. But this young man was cursing her out when she was calling him to dinner. Leave me the F alone. I'm playing my game. I'm not hungry. Then we found out he would never get on the school bus, hid behind a bush, 
broke into his home while his mom was at work so he could game all day. Getting more and more common, more and more common. Gaming is a particularly difficult addiction to deal with because the internet is everywhere. Yeah. You know, if, okay, so as a parent, you, you find that you're going to take their computer away. Do they have a phone? Playing on their phone. Do they have a computer at school? They're playing on the computer at school. Do they have a Game Boy or, or a small handheld? They're finding a way to do it. No matter how many things you try to eliminate from their life, the addiction is going to feed it and they're going to find an avenue. Very much like an alcoholic will find a way to get their alcohol or a drug addict will find their drug of choice no matter where you bring them. Right. You addiction know, is addiction. Addiction is addiction. And um, this one has been particularly challenging um, and maddening for families and certainly something that is uh, under research the the dsm which is the diagnostic manual for mental health has it as a a topic of of further investigation i thought it was um, passed no i can't believe they're holding by, that one up too <laughs> yeah i know it was passed by the icd-10 as, as a legitimate disorder however the icd-10 is really only used for coding for bills mm -hmm. and in europe so right. It doesn't help us in the United States here to use it as a diagnosis because it doesn't exist yet because we use the DSM and right. it's just under investigation. Whereas it was a monumental thing for the ICD-10 to pass that, it's not usable in the United States yet. Okay, and another addiction that has really blown up and I've had several people in my office regarding this in their partners is the porn addiction. I'd love for you to speak on that a little bit. I had a client whose husband actually shot himself after she discovered not only the porn, but the affair. And he just couldn't stop it. And he promised to stop it. She uncovered it again. And that's when, you know, he went outside and shot himself. I mean, this has become rampant with it on the phones, YouTube, the internet. Any suggestions for anyone dealing with this inside their homes or with their partner? You have to address the underlying causes of that, but you also need to see someone who's very qualified to deal with it. Um, sex addictions come out in, in somewhat obscure ways. So, you know, something that happened to a child underneath the table looking at his, his mother's friend's feet becomes a foot fetish. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and something that seems so innocent, a child playing underneath, but their template for sexuality has changed. With porn addiction, because of its readily accessible nature, you can hide that until it becomes so dysfunctional that you can't get, they can't get through their day and they have to go deeper and deeper family, their friends and their life. So seeking out a qualified sex addiction therapist. That's not a sex therapist, two very different things. A sex addiction therapist deals with exactly this problem. Mm -hmm. um, gives you clinical tests to know where this is coming from, to find out really the depth of this, of this sexual addiction, and then has a, a set protocol and process to be able to help you work through it. Right. I had a man say to me once, well, all men watch porn. It's the excuse factor, but then once they're watching it on the job or get fired from the job, it's obviously an extreme issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's like having a drink or two during the week versus having six during the day or binge drinking on a weekend, six in a setting, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Tell us uh, the readers about your book and where they can get it. Well, I'm very proud of Addict in the House. Addict in the House was published um, August 1st of 2016. It was the work for seven years writing this book. What I realized by owning a rehab was that I would get phone calls every single day, same questions from families over and over and over. And families were desperate for help. Yeah. They could research on the internet. They can read some books. They could find the basics about addiction. But one of the problems was is that everything was very candy coated. And you needed to know exactly what you were looking for. And even then, I think just society didn't want to put such a negative connotation on it. So there was really no guidelines or help for these people. And they were left in the dark fighting a problem they didn't understand. Yeah. You know, so if you're fighting something and you don't know what it is you're really fighting, normal coping skills, which in this situation are the opposite of what you should be doing. Addict in the House is based on the experiences that I had through the years of owning a rehab, my professional experience with a little tidbit of personal stuff in there, just a little bit, but teaching families exactly what they're looking at, mm-hmm. uh, giving them that baseline knowledge of what addiction really is, the ugly part of it, the part that nobody wants to talk about, so that they know what they're fighting. And then they can use appropriate skills to be able to combat it. That sounds great. It sounds like a really, really practical and important guide. It's so important when I'm working with people, they don't understand why they keep sabotaging their relationships over and over again or attracting the same type of people that end up being very toxic and hurtful to them. And they don't get it. And they're at the point of, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to get the great information that you need to start your journey to healing. Yes. And until you get to the bottom of it, back to the beginning, like we've been talking about in the entire show, it's just a Band-Aid. And that's why I believe, you know, that the rehabs, if people are going six or seven times and it's not working, I mean, do you feel that also? Yeah. Is that Absolutely. We, we see repeats all the time. Recidivism is crazy in addictions. But... The one positive is that every person who decides to get some help, everybody has an equal opportunity for recovery. Mm -hmm. You you hear that relapse is part of addiction. No, relapse is not part of addiction. Relapse is a sign that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Ah, good point. It does not need to be part of an addiction. It's part of recovery that you're not working your recovery. Mm. Not. You haven't addressed everything yet. Maybe you have some reserving back part of yourself for safekeeping because you're afraid of judgment or you're afraid of letting it go. It's it's a safety net for you. There doesn't have to be seven repeats. For my brother, there were so many we can't even count. Until he actually addressed that bottom line issue, it was the revolving door in rehab. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I get a lot of people with addictions as well, because they have to get to the bottom of the core issues. It's also really great to go through coaching, life coaching, once you come out of a rehab. Oh, that's vital. Yeah, to really get to the bottom and start the healing and then the growth and the goals through coaching for the life now that you really desire. And then to attract that emotionally healthy, evolved person because now you can get the skills to be emotionally healthy in love as well as in life and health. So it's all combined. It is combined. When, When somebody is addicted, you know, any growth and development is halted, basically because True. you're anesthetizing yourself. So it's impossible for you to process things. But meanwhile, while you're in your addiction, life is passing by. 
and things are still happening in your absence. So what happens when you finally hit recovery is that now you have how many years to try to address these issues. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when you couldn't deal with the first one, now you got 20 of them. You got <laughs> right. 20 of them. You know, so yeah. going to the point of going to a, a relationship coach is, is ideal because these stepping stones that you never accomplished, you have somebody guiding you every step of the way and making up for some lost time. It's very effective. Yeah, good. Uh, where can they find the book? You can find the book on Amazon. You can find the book in every major bookstore. Perfect. And what last words of wisdom do you have, Robin? And then please tell them where they can find you when they want to reach out for help and more information. Sure. They can go to drrobinbarnett.com for more information on me. I also have a Facebook page, um, Dr. Robin Barnett. I am accepting new clients. If somebody is interested in my services, um, send me a message on Facebook is usually the easiest way, you know, and I will certainly get back to you in a very quick period of time. I charge a consultation fee of, of $97 to do a consultation and to help somebody figure out exactly what it is that they need. And after that, we can continue with a, with a program of treatment. Yeah, that's a great introductory offer. That's really amazing. So thank you for that. And what's your last words of wisdoms you'd like to give to our listeners? If you're struggling with an addiction or somebody you love is struggling with addiction, do not sweep it under the rug. Do not go silent. Do not say nothing because you don't want to disturb them or upset them. There is nothing that you can do or say that will make the problem worse. Very good. Thank you. And I want to remind my listeners, it is now time, as it always has been, to create that life that you desire and have the love that you deserve. Have a beautiful day. And thank you again, Dr. Robin Barnett, addiction specialist to the stars for being with us today. Thank you, Rihanna. Okay, love angels and transformers. That is all the time we have for today. Again, I want to thank our guest, Dr. Robin Barnett. We are on a mission together to help change the way the world loves. And you can join that mission too by sharing the show link from my website, lessonsinlifeandlove.com or the app Lessons in Life and Love on the go. When you're in listening to the show, please leave a five-star rating and a comment and make a post about anything you'd like to hear on an upcoming show, and I will try to address that issue for you. Remember, you can reach out to get help from me during the week. Just go to my website, rihannamilne.com, and fill out the form for a Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session at an introductory offer. And also, you can download my free ebook at havetheloveyoudeserve.com. That's havetheloveyoudeserve.com. Thank you. And as always, I am wishing you to have the life that you desire and the love that you deserve. Have a beautiful and blessed week. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. Go to RihannaMilne.com for more resources. If you're really ready to take action to improve your life or love situation, apply now for a session with Rihanna. And remember, it's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve.